You know who we have to blame for this whole bra problem? Me? No, men. <laughs> they design and manufacture bras, not for the bosoms that we have, but for the bosoms that they want. Do you know what happened if men had breasts? We wouldn't need women anymore. <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Justin, and Al. Yes, we are still here. We are not discontinued. We are live in the nudie bar. My name is Al. I am joined with the guy who needs six dollars in quarters, Jerry. What's up? Yeah, see, the the meter by the car isn't running, but I can't go through the front door. I gotta go through this back entrance. Um, so if you just hook me up, um, that'd be great. Sure. Why not? Maybe you'll start giving me some R-E-S-P-C-T. You will respect this Peggy. <laughs> yep, uh, we are reviewing Her Cups Runneth Over. Air date, January 15th, 1989. This is Season 3, Episode 6. The episode was directed by Jerry Cohen and written by Marcy Vosberg, Sandy Sprung, there is a lot to talk about here because this is the kind of episode I like. Peg, it's her birthday. She wakes up uh, to no breakfast in bed. Instead, she's downstairs and she is singing. And uh, how about when the radio DJ insults its listeners and says, Remember that one? If you do, you must be a hundred because it was over 20 years ago. One for you, Grandma. So sad, so sad. Yeah, I know. Like, who does that? Like, who? Well, you know what? Insult comedy does work. Look at Nutty Professor, like Dave Chappelle's part in that movie. Mm -hmm. He's pretty much just insult comedy. So actually, you know what? That could work. Right. (laughs) But if I ever get that old and act like that, would you please shoot me? Why wait? Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Leave me alone. (laughs) Hi, Peg. How you doing? How am I doing? It's my birthday, and you have the audacity to ask me how I'm doing? (gasps) The best years of my life are over, and the worst part is I spent them with you. (laughs) By the way, Al, am I still attractive? Peg, you're still the same knee in the groin you were when you were 16. I don't believe you. You didn't say it with feeling. You're an insensitive hog of a man. Oh, I gotta do something to shake these birthday blues. I know. Give me money. I'm gonna shop till you drop. Oh, uh, by the way, Al, this does not get you off the hook for a present. And this year, I want something different. Well, Peg, I only know how to do it one way. <laughs> and one day, maybe you'll get it right. <laughs> no, honey. 
this year I want something that lasts longer than three minutes. <laughs> I want a real gift. I want you to spend money on me, Al. But Peg, I have no more money. Well, that doesn't stop me from spending it. <laughs> God, do I have to do everything around here? <laughs> Did this episode remind you of an episode we just kind of did last season, this, this opening. I want something different for my birthday. Yeah. It's the Valentine's Day episode again. Yeah, instead of saying, instead of sex, which she's not impressed by, she wants I love you. Yeah, and which is funny because she goes, I want something different. She says, I only know one way to do it. And I'm like... Didn't they make that same joke in the Valentine's Day episode? I don't know if they did that joke, but they definitely did. They definitely did a sex joke, though, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I was just like, is this a throwback to that episode, or are they reusing some stuff here? I'm looking suspiciously at them. Yeah, that that's highly possible. Well, this episode, uh, like we said at the end of last week... Al must go to a far-off lingerie outlet store to buy a discontinued brassiere for Peggy. Now, uh, that's basically what's happening here. Peg has a bra that she's been wearing her whole life, uh, Fancy Figure 327. It lifts and cradles. Oh, hi, Peg. How you doing? I feel so empty. I shopped and I shopped and I still couldn't get happy. And look at all this junk. I don't even want half of it. <laughs> and as if I wasn't depressed enough, something horrible happened while I was out shopping. You accidentally bought something for me? <laughs> no. Worse than that, they discontinued my bra. I told you not to wear it out in public. No, you damn shoe salesman. <laughs> they stopped making it. My fancy figure 327 is a thing of the past. Oh, Al, what's going to become of my breasts? I love how my bosom looks in the fancy figure 327. It lifts. It cradles. Al, that is the only style bra I have ever worn. Come on, Peg. The guys will look good at anything. <laughs> mean that, Al. You'll still love your little squeezies. <laughs> well, sure, Peg, but... Uh... Promise to keep him locked up till the sun goes down? Well, I'm going to have to do something about it sooner or later. When he called her uh, rack the guys, would you ever refer to your fiancé's breasts as guys? No, I always called them the girls or, like, go back to, like, the like Stone Cold Steve Austin, WWF, Raw's War kind of days and call them puppies. But never guys. Like, okay, I thought that was weird too, and I didn't know how to address it. Like, I think it doesn't matter as long as they come out when the sun is down. That's that's true. That was brutal, man. Oh man, that's not even the word, the most brutal line in this episode. <laughs> we ain't got to that one yet. So I bought fifteen different bras. This is the only one that comes close. The Maxi Force 911 Easy Loader. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I'm thinking on my birthday, do I run to you with my underwear looking for help? <laughs> well, maybe you should. Okay, I gotta ask. This, okay, this is not funny, but anytime you hear 911, you automatically think about the terrorist event, right? Yeah. Even in like this episode, as soon as they said it, 
you think about that and they were saying it because they didn't want to say 911 because then you think of the police. So back then they would, you know, say 911. But now you can't say that. Now you're screwed. Now you have to say 911. <laughs> you know, it used to be like an old uh country thing to go uh call call emergency. Uh we just call it 911. You know, that <laughs> used to be the joke until it actually became how everyone refers to that. Like yeah, 911. <laughs> became 9-11 yeah so i just wanted to bring that up real quick because it, it just it's it's weird living in in the world now where you you hear that and you automatically go to something even when they we're talking about a brawl i didn't know why she was still expecting a gift after he already spent hundreds of dollars on her or whatever he gave her when she oh yeah Fifteen dollars. No, I'm just well, it seemed like a lot of bags. Yeah, I mean, hey, hey, you're right. It did. Those must have been like all twenties or something. Right. So I, I mean, but it's it's so weird. And then the kids start buttering him up just to find out he doesn't have money. And we get that great line: "I'm broke, son. Don't call me son." Nah. So, like, okay. So I'll ask you, Kelly. Can I ask you a question? And her response automatically is. Whatever you heard on the street, I'm a good girl and would never have done that. Yeah. No, it's about your mom. Whatever you heard on the street, she's a mom's good a good She's a good girl. She would not do that. Mm. And then they're talking, and then Kelly says the dumbest line to to ever come out of her mouth. Okay. Mom was around before I was even born, you know? Oh, that was great. <laughs> well, yes, and then Kelly starts uh. explaining how old 25 is. It just makes you realize, like, to Kelly – who is a junior or senior in high school, she thinks people that are only four or five years older than her are old. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great delivery. You know, we talk about facial expressions. When Marcy comes in and says, I heard about your bra, do you have a backup? And then when she looked at her and shook her head no and said no, it was really great acting. The way she, it's so melodramatic that it was really great. But... The logistics of it. So, what, did every bra in the house just magically disappear just because the store no longer sells them? You don't have... Well, here, here's an even crazier question. How the hell did Marcy already figure out? Peggy hasn't had time to call her unless she just stopped at a payphone and left a voicemail. And it's not like they... Like, if she was getting stuff in the mail, maybe this means that Peggy hasn't bought that bra in months and it was discontinued months ago and that's why there's none left in the store and it just so happy that marcy got the piece in the mail that tell her this at the same time how did marcy know i thought that she she didn't get to read peg's text till later what do you mean read her text <laughs> isn't that amazing how the, the culture of the world is so different now <laughs> yeah it's like like there's no like if if my favorite uh like tank top got discontinued I could text you right away Alex and let you know but if this was you know the late 80s like there's no I would have to wait until I got home to call you and hope that you're home and if you're not home I've got to hope that you have a voicemail right. that you have an answer machine I shouldn't say voicemail I guess at this point it's just answer machine okay. to tell you can I just talk about she bought 15 bras? Do you know how expensive bras are? No. Dude. I'm not that – I'm not Pops or Griff. Go go shopping with your wife the next time she goes to buy a bra. And I'm not even talking about a, a fancy bra. 
I ain't talking Victoria's Secret. I'm just a regular brawl. Those things, like the cheap ones that are that are at least not, not like garbage cheap. Not where you ain't talking Kmart here. Not where the where the wire digs into your rib cage. Yeah, yeah. Like even those are like forty to sixty dollars. Wow. But like the some of the nicer ones at Victoria's Secrets, you're talking like. 60 to 90 dollars really? for one bra one bra think if we have to had to wear something to like hold our testicles in right and it cost us 60 70 bucks and you just bought 15 of them thank god i've become so accustomed to just carrying them around in a spoon they both fit in a spoon <laughs> wow it does the job a table a <laughs> tablespoon you know I was thinking, like, maybe you were using, like, one of those big, like, soup spoons. <laughs> a soup strainer. <laughs> yeah, like one of those. The hairs come out through the bottom, the soup strainer. But, like, seriously, because keep in mind, we were talking about how much money uh, Al gave Peggy. Mm-hmm. She bought 15 bras. And they weren't her nice, fancy, has a cool name bra. These were probably just, like, a bunch of random basic bras. And then keep in mind later, Al buys 10 bras from a fancy, like, lingerie store. You know they're going to charge more at a lingerie store than they are at, like, Walmart or Target. Yeah, he virtually spent $750 in bras in one episode. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, (laughs) wow, this is ridiculous. I don't know why we even need bras. Well, I think it's to keep your breast off the plate when you eat. (laughs) Today on I Can't Believe They Just Made This Joke, Married With Children style, I don't even know why we need brawls. I think it's to keep your breasts off the plates when you eat. I'm so offended. (sighs) Like, we talk on Married With Children how, like, there are jokes that we can't believe they made, like, gym teacher, lesbian jokes, stuff like this. But this joke (laughs) blew me away. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, they're really going all the way here and it's great because it's so inappropriate it's so humiliating and degrading and like and they make like jokes all the time like like who do we blame for this and i was like me and she goes no men and that's their typical jokes but then they make jokes like that and they make jokes if men had breasts we wouldn't need women anymore (laughs) and then the most savage fireback i have ever heard and if you had what other men had i wouldn't need batteries anymore That line, like, dude, that line is divorce material. You drop that, I'm signing the papers. I would love to see these lines uh, just being done on Roseanne. And just imagine the weight it would have. I don't don't want to think about Roseanne with a vibrator, personally. Uh, True. But uh, just if, if, see, Alan Pegg's saying it, you're almost so accustomed to this crazy world that... You almost forget what a person would – remember how we talked about um, when Al stole a library book and what the newscaster said? He's a true piece of human garbage. And just to see the reactions of what people think of just Al's daily life, be, once you take it outside of this bubble that you're sort of living in, in the married with children world, like if someone else that is not used to this heard this kind of stuff, they'd be like, What? Like they they would just be floored by that two minutes of conversation. It's so ahead of its time. It's ahead of the curve. It's it's making jokes that you just would not think would be dropping right on a on cable network TV show. No, and 
the dumbest thing, I think Marcy, who I always gave credit for being smart, sewing two bras together because that will somehow... Yeah, how did... Like, if she already owned those two bras, she that means she's worn them at some point. So why would you cut them in half and sew them together to different bras? How does that make sense? She even said... Something along the lines of now one is sagging and one is lifted or something. Like, well, no, duh. You're putting two different supports on your breasts. Why would you think they'd both be the same? What did? What else were you trying to accomplish by mixing and matching them? Yeah. I just don't know. I'm, agree- I'm in agreement with you. I think that was just for the visual gag. It had to be. It had to be this weird logic that sometimes happens on this show. So... Another thing I actually really love that they brought back, the opening the door and saying something completely ridiculous to someone who has no clue what's going on. We, we, we've had this happen before, and every time they do it, I love it. So Steve gets there, and he goes, I'm glad you're here, Steve. I need a brawl. <laughs> it's, it's as good as... Al, I'm horny. What are you going to do about it? Oh, yeah, that's it. Yep. Steve, I need a brawl. Al, I'm horny. What are you going to do about it? And I like how his Steve's response is, and some makeup wouldn't hurt either. She's looked everywhere in town. She can't find that bra. Odd that she hasn't tried Francine's of Hollywood in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. It's the ultimate lingerie store. That's where I send for those special um, items I get from Marcy. Do you think they'd have her bra? Their motto is, if you've got the boulders, we've got the holders. <laughs> it's a long way to go, though, isn't it? I'll drive. <laughs> so, Steve knows about this place in... Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. And uh, it's Francine's of Hollywood. Um, now, it's funny because two things about that. For one... Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Is an actual place. Have you ever heard of... Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. No, I've never heard of... Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Yeah, because Oconomowoc, Wisconsin really exists, and it doesn't even sound like a real place. I mean, who's ever heard of that name, you know? So it's real, and this place, Francine's of Hollywood, does that sound familiar to you? Uh, I I feel like if you made it a guy's name, I would know it. Uh, how about Frederick? No, no. That's a little too sexy for my shirt vibe. It's, it's, oh, it's Franklin's of Hollywood. Franklin. Oh, I always thought it was Fredericks. I was too busy. Uh, never mind. Oh, yeah, with the magazine? I'm Yeah, uh, studying it for proper word placement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was always flipping through those pages. Yeah, well, when you can find your dad's stash of Playboys at the time, that'll do. It's great because their motto is, if you got the boulders, we have the holders. You go to their store, or Alan, Steve do, and the best thing is, like, their sign above the counter where it says Hollywood, both O's are filled with breasts. <laughs> Dude, and the mannequins they have are stacked, and, like, one of them is just wearing, like, nipple tassels. I When, when they showed the inside of this shop, I did not expect it. I did uh. not expect to see as much as I saw. I did not... Expect to see mannequins dressed like that. I did not expect them to show, like, women dressed like that. Like, the blonde when they first walk in. Oh, my God. 
Then you got the one in the red and purple dress as they keep walking through. Yeah, this man, even the the woman who comes up to to try to help them. Right, which is uh, the greatest scene. We're up from Chi Town. We're interested in the fancy figure three two seven for my friend here. Size? Oh, gee, I I don't know uh, about this tall. <laughs> oh, I see. Don't be embarrassed. We often cater to people like you. Now, what size does your boyfriend like to see you in? <laughs> no, no, no. You don't, you don't understand. Uh, we're married. Uh, not to each other, to uh, women. And if I was gay, I'd like to think I could do better than him. Now, were you offended when Al said that if he was gay, he'd like to think he could do better than Steve? What's that supposed to mean? You don't turn me on. Uh, yeah, Al, first of all, no, you could not do better than Steve. Two, I would like to bring up a future episode. I don't know what the episode is off the top of my head, but I remember, I, I can tell you enough about it. First of all, let's jump back to the, the On the Edge episode where he had the beard and he was staying there and he was cooking and cleaning and Al loved it. Okay? Right. Al couldn't couldn't do enough to keep him there. Now, let's jump to a future episode. I think it might be in season five, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, Peggy's going out with Marcy. They're dancing with guys. Peggy starts dancing with this guy who's gay. She doesn't know he's gay. And his husband ends up going to Al's house and makes dinner for Al and all this stuff. And I'm just like, no, Al, because if you're, you're into guys that can cook for you, Steve is – you cannot do better than Steve because Steve looks better than the gay guy you get cooked by, you get cooked for later on. So, no, Al, you're wrong. Steve can do better than you, homie. Yeah, but Al does say he just doesn't turn him on. I, I would like to know which guys do turn Al on. I wonder if uh, the policeman would be one of them. <laughs> We'll get to that. So, yeah, the chick who works there is smoking, dude, with what she's wearing. Anyway, I'm looking for a bra for my wife, who is a woman. Uh, sort of. Well, then I'll need to know her cup size. Is she my size? <laughs> Sir? Oh, I'm sorry. I was sweating into my eyes. <laughs> What did you say? What's her cup size? Oh, like, uh... uh oh, miss, uh, excuse me. C could you help us out here a minute? Um, um, uh, what do you think, Steve, about like this? I'm not speaking. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm going to have to take him away now. We have to try on some stuff. Uh, anyhow, they're about like this. Oh, 36C. You're a lucky man. Yeah, if they came out of cart. <laughs> Just give me ten. How could Al show up to this place without knowing what bra size it is? Like, what do you... That's like going to buy someone a pair of blue suede shoes and not knowing what shoe size they are. Like, wouldn't you figure that out before you left? You would think, but at the same time, it's not like he can actually ask Peggy. And if they're upstairs with the bras, he can't go up there and look at the bras. But did they take the bags of bras upstairs with them? 
If those are still downstairs, he could look at those. But I think the way he found out her size is a lot more fun. It was more fun for me. Yeah, she's so cool, the lady who works there, that she says, are they like, like basically inviting him to stare at her tits. Like, that's like the most amazing thing in the world. Um, Wow. That is the coolest thing I ever heard a girl say. Um, Then Al tells another girl, hey, can you come here for a minute? And then he just keeps on going to reach them. (laughs) And it's like... Oh, my God. I, I thought he was actually going to grab her for a second. Yeah, that would be nice. Oh, dude. And one of the best lines ever. And it's just a small throwaway line. But he just goes. <laughs> yeah, let's see the Japanese build a better one of those. <laughs> like that. Man, so solid. Yeah, the Japanese were known for making better electronic products in the 80s so um you don't really hear that that often anymore it's not really like a prevalent comment or observation yeah in culture that much it's it's mostly because sony was killing it in the 80s yeah so if anybody doesn't know why he would have said that like well what what does japanese have to do with anything plus he's made references before about buying american cars and stuff like that right Oh, and let's talk about jokes that you cannot make nowadays since we did the earlier one. Right after this, he walks up to Steve and Steve goes – he tells Steve, you should be ashamed of yourself. And he's like, she was asking for it. You see how she's dressed? You can't make that joke anymore. That is not a joke you can make anymore. So it's kind of funny that we – they were making jokes that at the time we were just like, I can't believe they're saying this. But they're also making jokes that now you can't say. Yes, too many implications. Oh, yeah. With with women getting uh, sexually harassed or raped. And, you know, our culture is sort of making women feel like is that it's your fault if any of this kinds of stuff happen or, you know, you shouldn't be working around men if you can't handle it. That was the what it was in the in the 70s, well, all the way up to, like, the, the mid-2000s. It was, you shouldn't put yourself in that situation. It's your fault. You're dressed like that. And, and now it's like, it's, it's, no. You don't blame, that's like, like, why would you blame the, someone for wearing a miniskirt and not the asshole who couldn't take no for an answer? Right. Like, so it's something I'm glad we don't. Like that, I'm I'm actually happy with this change completely because it's like blame the asshole for being the asshole. But I gotta say, Steve, uh, feminist, uh, buddy, uh, that is not something you should be saying as a feminist, even in the '80s. You should be well, well far above that, even if it was a mannequin. Yeah, he should have been more progressive in that thinking. Yes, exactly. But you know him. He, he, you know, he was just, he, he was just, it, hot, it's hot in that store. He just needs to go cool off uh, down the hall in that room with all the red lights. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what was taking place in that room. There are a couple options now. Um, at the time, I'm going to play some money. It was one of those like uh, mini, it was one or two things. It, and I think it was the movie thing where you go in, put a little bit of money and you get to right. see a peep show. 
But I guess they could actually have women back there, and it could be like in Boondock Saints where you go and put the quarters in, you actually get to see a live girl dancing back there. Yeah, well, they have a lot of these types of booths in New York. It's really, really grotesque what takes place there. Um, Obviously, the, the guys are not going to just watch stuff. And it's known by the people running that. Let's put it this way. Someone's paid to, to, to squeegee the floor when you leave. Okay. I got a question for you. <laughs> Would you ever go to, like, watch a porn in a movie theater? Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like... Like, why would you go? I don't want to watch a one. I don't want to sit through a full like porn. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, two, I'm not going to watch it for the acting. And three, I don't want to be sitting around a bunch of other people I don't know watching it. Right. Um. I. Yeah. Going to stag films is like. It's all. Um. It's all about options. I believe. Um, if that's still happening today, and which Pee Wee taught us that it is happening even in in the ninety one, or yeah, either I think right at ninety or, or so is when this happened to him. Well, if he would have just done it the Steve way, he would have been all right. Went to your personal booth, right? But Pee Wee claims that he's left handed or something. And the guy claims he was using his right hand. Oh, yeah, because you've never switched hands to see if it (laughs) felt different or set on the one you normally don't use. So it goes numb and then you try to give yourself a sleeper. Yeah, that no. Come on. Right. That that is the worst. Dude, it wasn't me. I only beat off with my left hand. How would I use my right hand to beat off? That's weird. And Pee Wee also taught us that Lincoln was not the only person to be shot in the back of the head in a movie theater. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, did he actually, like, get someone in the back of the head? <laughs> no, I wish. Oh, I was going to say, I've never actually looked into the story. <laughs> yeah, so Steve going into those booths is, let's just say Marcy would not approve. No. But you know what? I have to question something else. Later on, Marcy obviously knows about this store has she ever went to this store with him and by the way these booths is not it's not you don't go to any lingerie store and those booths are not there this must be the raunchiest like this is a sex store that is that is being called a lingerie store because it's on tv I feel like but that is definitely a sex store because I don't go to a long I don't go to Victoria's Secrets and right. they have handcuffs. That's basically that's an interesting aspect to talk about. Like that's what this is, but they're not even really allowed to say it. They have to just act like it's a lingerie place. I'm, I'm going to watch this again and like really take in everything in the background. Yeah, because she. I mean, at one point she offers Al if he needs to pick up some paddles, and he's just like, "No, I don't play ping pong." Like if they have a back room for porn, right. I'm pretty sure right off to the corner that we can't see are probably like some dildos and chains, chains whips. and whips and and how to grow up to be like Rihanna. Oh, Jerry, don't be such a queen. <laughs> there should be laws against that. Now I know why you call them queens. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so – oh, man. And then he gets a call from his wife just like nag, nag, nag. And you're just like – and you're just looking at Al and Al's so happy. He found someone regular just like him. 
yeah. at this place. <laughs> Poor Al. And then the old dude walks out, and he's wearing panties, a garter belt, and stockings. Could you imagine this? That's <laughs> like the greatest thing ever. Like, oh, and Al's the look on Al when he leaves the, the front desk. Like, it's uh. so funny. And, and this guy has been in a lot of stuff. His name's uh, Bill. I don't know if it's Smilly or Smiley. I think it's Smilly. But he likes to show up in places where he doesn't get a name. He just gets the title. Die Hard 2. Custodian. Singles. Boston Doctor. Piranha. Jailer. That's it. He doesn't. He mm. Don't name him anything. Now, how about the girls in this store? Do we have any information on them? Because, oh my God, especially the one that's coming up later. Oh, uh, okay. Let's do the first girl that we've already covered for now. All right. I wish I covered her. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, her name, the, the blonde that uh, Al uses to measure cup sizes, her name is Lynn Austin. And her name in this episode is Peaches, by the way. It's weird that they give them names but never use them. Yes, I thought that was weird too. And I wonder if they ask him, what do you want to be named in the credits? <laughs> so what about her? Where can I find her work? Uh, she was Playboy's Playmate of the Month, July 1986. But more important than that, you've ever eaten at Hooters? Have I eaten at Hooters? Yes. Yeah. You know those Hooter chicks, Hooter models? Mm-hmm. She's the OG. She's the very first one. Really? She is the original Hooters model. Do they? What year did she do that? I guess it, at the, around this time, so probably like 85, 87. Uh, when did I, Hooters uh, start? When was the opening of that franchise? I didn't even look up Hooters. Okay, let's see. If she's the first one, we have to find she out. She is the first Hooters model, the original model for the restaurant chain Hooters. I was never really even aware of Hooters until like the mid-90s, so it'd be interesting. Ah, founded April 1st, 1983, 34 years ago. Yep, so, and she was the very first model. Huh, well, she does have a nice set of Hooters, so. And you can see them in Playboy. Yeah, everybody look up that issue. Was it July 86? July 1986. Hmm, now do I have to buy that Playboy too? If you're going for the complete Married with Children collection, uh, no, because you're only you only have to buy the ones that you physically see. Ah, yes. Now, yeah, I bought Terry Weigel because just because she's like a legendary Married with Children chick. But uh, I think the reason I'm not going to do that complete completest thing is because there might be other playmates that we've even missed already. So that's very true. It'll be very hard to keep track. Now, what about the chick? The other who talked when they first walked in the store. Okay. I think Tally Chenille was the blonde from the very first one. She was in slammer girl, sex appeal, alien warrior, warrior queen, Hollywood hot tubs too. What? Hollywood hot tubs too. Part two. Okay. Part two. Um, yeah, she's known for sex appeal, warrior queen and knockouts. I think the biggest question, honestly, is, has she done nudity? That's usually the big question. Yes, she has. And they're not as impressive. Ooh, really? I mean, they're fine. It's nothing terrible, but I don't know. They look, like, stacked in that dress. She was wearing a wonder bra where you wonder what happened to them once they take the bra off. Yeah. They're okay. They're definitely 80s tits. Like, you can, like, I'd, like... I don't know how tits have changed. I don't know if it's, like, because of brawls, but they they have for sure changed. Oh, yeah. 
Well, they're becoming more and more, uh, well, even like real ones. Like, I know people think, oh, they're all fake now. No, because they were doing that back then, too, and they weren't as good, no, but we're talking about real ones, and they have evolved with time. Uh, just like people's faces. You could almost tell an 80s face compared to a, a, a new age face. All right. April Wayne is the one that was actually helping them out. Uh, she's also been in a few movies, but none of them I've heard of. Moon and Scorpio, Party Camp, In the Line of Duty. She played a she she played a hooker in that one. Oh, then we have hope. There, let's find out if she's been nude, because that's what really matters. That's the burning question all of our listeners are waiting to hear. It looks like no, she hasn't. She is a good girl. Yeah, well. Oh, well, sorry, guys. All you get is uh, what you saw here. Okay, well, now the doorbell rings at the Bundy's household. Oh, I'm sorry. Kelly's not home. (laughs) Mrs. Bundy? Yes? You're under arrest. What for? Parking tickets. Oh, well, that can't be. That's impossible. My car isn't even registered. (laughs) (laughs) Officer, isn't there something we can do about this? We can dance. When this cop showed up, did you know what was going to happen due to the enormous amount of hair? No, but that's the thing. Do you even really see the hair until he takes the hat off? Uh, yes, dude. Really? His, you could see hair being pulled up into that cop hat. So do you always notice the enormous things on guys? (laughs) Just this time. Uh, when he first showed up, I actually thought he was going to be like, we have your husband. Oh, he did something wrong at the place. That's what I thought. That is 100% what I thought. And then he's like, you're being, you're under arrest for parking tickets. And she's like, my car isn't even registered. Why would you admit to something that bad? Oh, she does stuff like that. Um, I forgot what else she admitted to a cop one time, but Officer Dan, she admitted something to. She's also like, is there something we can do about it? Like, Peggy, if he would have, if he would have said sex, would you have done it? Like, that's my question, like, because when it because like in a situation where someone's like, isn't there something we can do about it? The only there's only two fixes, money and sex. And she has no money. And yeah, it was a clear porno parody kind of line right there. So that was that was edgy, which fits this whole entire episode. Now he handcuffs Peg and then pulls the hat off and says we could dance. And then he is once again, much like at Troy's. This guy is the quintessential classic 80s, like, strip guy. Dude, that mullet. That mullet is the king of all mullets. Oh, my God. Like, David Faustino at the, was on set and was like, I can't wait for my mullet to be there. Achy Breaky Heart was written about this dude's mullet. Okay? <laughs> like, Jesus, that is a mullet. Thank God the world's become so contemporary. Yeah, and also this dude's face is the ugliest face. Like, it makes me realize that if you had, like, in the 80s, if your body was, like, stacked, it did not matter what your face looked like if you were a dude. No. And his face looked like 
like a human horse. Like you could almost take his body and cut him off under the torso and put it like what are those called? Like a minotaur, the half horse, half man. Uh, yes. yes. Like if if you did that, I could actually do that. You you don't you don't need to. That's the character he played in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, is it really? He was a guy named Mataro, which is literally a uh, a centaur. It is a horse body, and then like from like the way like it's a horse body, like but where the neck is is where the male a uh, male human's waist starts. Okay, hold on, I gotta I gotta look this up. Yeah, Google Mortal Kombat Annihilation Mataro. That is that is this dude. He's in makeup, but that's him. Oh my god. Ew, he looks horrible. Dude, it's the same guy, but they put ant- antlers on his head or horns or whatever. Well, yeah, he was playing Mataro from Mortal Kombat 3. Mortal Kombat. What? Mataro was in what? Mortal Kombat 3? I think. I think it was Mortal what Kombat 3. What are the 3. chances that I would have said that? Yeah, like, like it is. It's probably like the biggest role he's ever done. So he was in Mortal Kombat Annihilation? Yeah, he was in. Uh, he was also in another terrible movie. He was in uh, Batman Forever, but literally he was just like thug number two or something. Yeah, I liked that movie because it's nostalgic for me. Like I don't watch it. I definitely have to like kind of keep you know glue myself to the seat when I watch it. But I do watch it once every five years. I was like when I was a kid, I always thought that was like amazing that Jim Carrey was in it and. Yeah, he was also in in Batman and Robin as a hockey thug. He was in he was in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Now that I have no nostalgia. And for. and linking it to horror, he was also in Monster Party. He was in Monster Mash the movie from 1995, and he played the monster. That I gotta see too. This guy is fascinating to me. When he was on Married with Children, I was watching with my wife, and she said, "I gotta see what this guy looks like now." So she looked and she was like, ugh. Yeah. Um, she was not. He was also in Falling Down. He was uncredited. He was in Michael Douglas's Falling Down. He was just a man at the pier. He was also an American gladiator called Malibu. Yeah. He was also in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, as Las Vegas Muscle Man. Another uh, Mary Children alumni who was in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I think we just talked about that in our season two wrap up show. Yeah. It's like everybody has to pass through Elvira to get to marry children. Yeah, his hair. I'm I'm looking through all these pictures. It's crazy. Oh, he was he was in Conan the TV series. Well, just so you know, we don't pay him to talk. <laughs> no, we do not. Lord, no. do we not. But I do like how like at the end of it, he's like, "I got to leave. I got to go take the bar exam tomorrow." And I'm like, "This dude's going to be a lawyer." This dude's yeah. gonna pass the bar exam. This is hilarious. He's the next Lionel Hutt. Yeah. So Al is in this Francine's of Hollywood, and there's a girl in the dressing room behind the curtain. Excuse me, sir. Are you straight? The hairs on my chest are. <laughs> Good. Maybe you can help me. If you were my boyfriend, would you like this? Oh. 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 And she pulls that curtain and the position she's standing in and the, the things that she has on and her body. 
Wow. She uh, is smoking. I'm I'm curious to see if at the end of the season three wrap up show, if you're gonna say that she tops um the chick with the two um Oh, from season two? Yeah. Uh, the Great Escape. She's episode. she's hot, but I think I'd still take my season two chick. Well, we definitely gotta put this photo side by side so this girl gets a real shot here. I'll give her a real shot. <laughs> Back of the head. <laughs> like Bowie. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> now her name is Devin DeVasquez. She was born in 1963 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. She's a producer and actress. She's known for The Bay, Society, Devin's Barefoot Bliss. <laughs> She's done nudity, but obviously, but she doesn't. She hasn't done porn. She was in House Two, and she was in Toxic Avenger Four: Citizen Toxian. If you're in a trauma film, I have to believe you'll do about anything. Yeah, she was in House Two. Which is like one of the worst horror sequels ever. And she was the only thing worth looking at. Wow, Devin DeVasquez. The only thing is, this is during the 80s, so there's a lot of uh, trimming that has to go down. Well, sometimes you just gotta be an adventurer. Oh, man. Yeah, you guys, you guys saw your ass through the jungle sometimes. Wow, she's pretty hot, though, in this one picture from Bumble Girls. Wow, okay. Yeah, people are like, all right, guys, live out your fantasies <laughs> off the air. <sighs> so where were we? Yeah, so she then she takes her top off. <laughs> or do you think he'd like it better without the bra, like this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't need the bra. And unfortunately, we do not get that shot. But guys, like we said, no fear. You can make your own dreams come true on the internet. Uh, and Al passes out. <laughs> and then we learn that uh, horse face boy, Mullethead, lo- uh, he really misses 8-track tapes. I miss 8-track tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not paying you to speak, dear. <laughs> And Marcy just shuts him down. She's just like, I'm not paying you to talk. And I and I just had a feeling, I was like, you know what? If they had done this to a, if Al and Steve had gotten a female stripper, first of all, Marcy would be pissed. Second off, if they told her we're not paying you to talk, she'd be even more pissed. Oh, yeah. Hi, Mom. Dad dead? <laughs> no. Well, then I guess this is a good time to discuss my... New allowance. <laughs> Don't worry. Bro. He's just an exotic dancer that Mrs. Rhodes got for Mommy's birthday. It's just a rental. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Dad dead? <laughs> just in spirit. Well, I gotta go. Bar exam tomorrow. <laughs> Happy birthday, ma'am. You're very gifted. Mind if I get dressed upstairs? Oh, yeah. First door on the right. Just follow the trail of tears. (laughs) I like that they both just assume that as soon as Al is dead, that day, Peggy is going to go get another man. Pretty much. 
It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Would you like some paddles to go with them? No, I don't have a ping pong table. <laughs> so, it's time to give mom her birthday gifts. Kelly gives Peg a vinyl, which is pretty cool. Because Kelly plays records. She even said it in the last episode. She wishes she could play records, which is really cool because I play vinyl records too. And uh, I guess it's it's not that unique though in 1987 or 89. Uh, oh no, oh no, you taught us that they sold CDs at that time, right? Yes, they were they were selling CDs at that time. Yeah, four people had them. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so Kelly buys Peg a record of Al Jolson's greatest hits. <laughs> so I'm watching this. She hands on the records. I look on the back side of this record, and there is clearly someone in blackface. <laughs> clearly like i was like uh, oh yeah is this a piece of art what is this this is and i'm like i gotta google this because if they just made up al johnson or jolson 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 and that and it's a joke then i'm gonna be kind of pissed that they put blackface in there because that's that's not funny so i looked it up he was an american singer what now the funniest part about this to me is People basically called him the what Elvis did to rock, for rock and roll, he did for jazz. The difference being is he actually fought for civil rights and for black people to get treated better. And this was in the 1920s and 1930s because he died and and like he was okay. He was born uh, May 26, 1886, and died October 23rd, 1950. Wow. Okay. He like he was big. He was in um, he people like Bing Crosby, David Bowie, Bob Dylan, Rob Stewart. They've all said that he was like an inspiration to them. Um, he was in huge movies. Um, I think like the big one was The Jazz Singer. And that was 1927. OK, he was one of the first people that like would go out to entertain troops like he did this during Pearl Harbor. Like after Pearl Harbor, he would go and and sing for them and entertain them. So I had to know about the blackface, and it turns out he really enjoyed uh, performing blackface. <laughs> um, but as early as 1911, he was actually 
known for fighting against black discrimination on Broadway. He would he would request that any other black actors or actresses that were working with him were treated just like he was. And he would often use blackface as a way to poke fun at white supremacy. And there he had like this ongoing character that was like who would constantly be smarter than his slave owner and constantly help his slave owner get out of like uh bad predicaments that he put himself oh, in. Wow. Like this dude was like way ahead of his time, and I actually want to to watch more of his stuff because it seems like he was doing blackface in the only non-race. It's still racist now, but like, like there was a quote for him that said he was the only white guy that was allowed into black clubs. Huh. Like, so he was good. He was like always uh, doing stuff to help the Jewish people and the black people who at the time were pretty much treated like trash. The two most repressed. Yes, uh, exactly. So he actually apparently is like the one person who can do blackface and it's all good. Um, that it, it makes me curious as to his music. Bud gets her Mr. Yesterday. Mrs. Yesterday. Yes, yeah. sexist. <laughs> Mrs. Yesterday's wrinkle remover. Smear the years away or yeah, something. And I'm like how she's like, kids get out, no supper tonight. I'm like, so every other night? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. The only difference is you have to get out. Yeah. It, it walks, Bud walks away and he's like, that settles it. I'll be a bachelor for life. And Kelly's just like, and a virgin. Nah. So Steve comes home with Al. Al has a surprise in a box. Uh, Marcy recognizes the boxes. She gets all hot and bothered. Well, no, she recognizes then, the town because Al's like, I've been to Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. And Marcy, <laughs> where have you been? Oconomowoc. <laughs> Francine's? <laughs> I don't know. Have you been a good little girl? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> oh, Steve, I've been bad. <laughs> I've been very bad. Well, come on then. <laughs> yeah, that's a healthy marriage. <laughs> the roads probably have really kinky sex. Oh, yeah. Like, we've heard about their role playing from Bud, but man, I gotta, they, they gotta do some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd watch that porn. Yep. Chips, dip, chains, whips, candle wax on the nipples. Butt plugs. <laughs> <laughs> so Al recognizes right away that they do not have a healthy marriage, and that all comes to fruition in about a year and a half. No, no, it doesn't. Shut up. Oh, stop denying it, Cherry. It's not true. Your dream is almost over. This is This is one of those worlds where... It splits into two universes, and the one that I live in, Steve stays, and Marcy leaves. Guess what I got you? A senior citizen's bus pass? (laughs) (sighs) Oh, Al! It's my fancy figure 327. I I can't believe this. You found it. I got ten of them, so uh, as long as they live, the guys will always have a roof over their heads. You are the sweetest man in the whole world. I know. Oh, honey. Where'd you get the handcuffs? Oh, they were a gift. (laughs) 
Al, you don't think I'm getting old, do you? Peg, you look just the way you did the day I married you. Only difference is today I'm not dead drunk. <laughs> oh, Al. <laughs> I like the, that once again, because they've said it before that Al was drunk on their wedding day, right? She's yeah. like, do you think I'm getting old? He goes, you look just the way, just the way you did when I married you. The only difference is I'm not dead drunk. <laughs> well, you have to be to marry Peg. Apparently. All right, Peg, we both know this isn't the end of it. Let's get to it. Let's go upstairs. See, you're never satisfied. Do you know what I had to go through to get that present? I had to drive to Wisconsin. I had to reassure Steve that I find him attractive. <laughs> I had to sit in a store for an hour and look at nothing but the... Then he realizes where he was and what he saw. <laughs> yeah, let's go upstairs. <laughs> yeah, you can't forget Devin DeVasquez, man. But what's upstairs, Al? Uh, there's a cop with his pants on backwards. That could be a problem. <laughs> Peg, who's the cop with his pants on backwards? Yeah, I was like, and this is the guy that's going to go past the bar exam. <laughs> yeah, he better he better get a lawyer. <laughs> no ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Just type in www.facebook.com slash groups slash Married with Children podcast. Be sure to subscribe to them on iTunes and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast.com at gmail.com thanks for checking out this review now the guys are going to give their final thoughts and ratings of this week's episode alright guys that was a review for her cup runneth over by the way if you don't know where that comes from it comes from Psalm 23 in the Old Testament go look it up it's exactly her cup what is it his cup runneth over uh, I think it's his his cup runneth over yeah I got to include that there's a sex point for Peggy in here. Oh, yeah? Well, do you think it counts because would they have sex because of the – but the cop? Peg, who's the cop with his pants on backwards? Would they still have sex? I guess. I don't know. Do, okay, don't know. so uh, you know what? Let's rule it because the chick – because the tits that Al saw today were so good, no uh, uh, blockhead stripper is going to stop him from picturing that while having sex so sex point to peggy because they do have sex in my opinion so how many dollars in quarters are we giving steve for this episode for her cup runneth over i want steve to get to see as much of this as he can so i'm giving it a full five out of five this had great writing great visual gags every character had great parts everyone following firing on all cylinders we got to see outside of the the Bundy house, which is always good. And this episode is is far ahead of time. Just just the the fact that someone got pissed off of this episode is hilarious to me. Because if you look at it, this episode is nothing but love. A man going out of his way 
to make sure that his wife had the proper support for her bosom is nothing but love. No money could stop him. He, he went above and beyond to help his wife out. You even see an old man who, despite his wearing of panties and stockings, still loved his wife. You see a young new married couple so enthralled with each other that they can't wait to try out paddles and whips and all kinds of things. This episode is love. Perfect five out of five. Wow. Um, yeah, this episode is something else, man. Um, to watch them travel to... Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. ...was very cool. Too bad there is no store called Francine's there, for real, because I would go, uh, just in case those girls are still there. I would see what they're up to. Uh, the whole thing, Peg's birthday, the bra issue... That that was all solid, but I think the the episode really picks up once Al goes to this place, the bra place, which is pretty soon into the into the episode. But I'm gonna say that I some of the peg and bra stuff didn't work perfectly for me. So the rest is so great, and to just reiterate everything you said. I give it a 4.5 out of 5 instead of a perfect so 5. So your point five off is because of the bra stuff? Yeah, like uh, sewing the two bras But that's together. a great visual gag. That is, I've said before that there are times where they do something that is stupid. It doesn't make sense, like um, Bud going up the stairway with the penthouse clearly sticking out of his pants. He didn't put the shirt over it like he a person would. You have to go, but it's a visual gag, and you have to give them that pass. Right. And I do love everything in the store. I love even the police officer stripper. Yeah, do you love them a lot? The, the, the gifts from the kids. Steve and Marcy showing their side again. And I love how they're not even afraid to let anybody know this. Yeah, you're right. I guess I can't take points away for... Because there have been other episodes I've given a five. Yeah, that means I love it. That doesn't mean it's perfect. It just means I love it. You know, I hated it, didn't like it, like it, really like it, and love it. That's what those numbers one through five mean when we rate these. So, yeah, I do love this episode. See? You gotta go five out of five, baby. Yeah. All right. I'll give Her Cups Runneth Over a five out of five dollars in quarters for Steve. I know a lot of you might be going, boy, although these guys have proven to be complete ex- experts on marrow children thus far, I can't believe they're so stupid that they didn't even mention that this was the episode that Terry Ricola <laughs> had a problem with. Are they retarded? No, guys, we know that this is the episode that started the entire campaign against married with children, and it's legendary. But we felt that so much was made of it, and everybody seems to bring this up for some reason whenever they talk about married with children, that we should dedicate an entire special to that entire moment because it is the the moment that turned this show into a a phenomenon 
it just changed everything about our favorite TV sitcom of the 80s and 90s. So it's worth dedicating an entire show to. Now, this, I'll tell you now, this is the last special that will ever be available to the general public. And from here on out, all of our exclusive specials, like like this Terry Ricolta special we're going to do, or the season wrap-up shows, or the reviews of specific movies that these the cast members were on, or anything like that, that will all be uh, Patreon-exclusive content. This is the last hurrah if you guys do not become patrons of the Married with Children podcast. So guys, all we're asking for in the future after this special is to come to the jiggly room stuff a few dollars down our g-strings i mean two dollars a month if you listen to our show while driving to work you're spending more money in gas than two dollars probably going to work if you work like 30 minutes away from your house the coffee you drink while you're listening is, is almost the same price as a $2 donation or whatever. And all we're asking for is $5 a month, and you can have access to all of our bonus content, everything, interviews, comic book specials, like I said, reviews of the movie starring anyone in the cast, season wrap-up shows, we're going to do future video commentaries, all that stuff. And if you are a patron of the Marrow Children podcast, you get access to all that exclusive content so this will be the last uh special we ever do that is not a patreon exclusive so tune in next week for that special terry ricolta it should be interesting i can't wait to dig into it uh to not only talk about like how this all blew up but how it affected the show i i can't wait for y'all to hear this and Hopefully this show is going to be the one that makes you go, I can't wait to put $5 down JP's G-string. <laughs> and we're going to try to get JP on this special, by the way, guys. Um, you know, realize he's locked up and all that kind of stuff, but this is a monumental thing, and I feel like he should be a part of it. He's watched all the season three episodes leading into this. He's right on track with us. Look forward to that. We're really going to try to make it happen. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week for this big, big special.